This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfeld. Sage, how are you? I'm doing great. Good morning. I want to start out with you not on a Minnesota Vikings topic, but on our new greatest passer of all time by the passer yards statistic, and that is Drew Brees. And last night, a magical evening to watch as he lit up the Washington defense. Tell me what you see when you watch Drew Brees and I guess, you know, from when you look at his career, where he fits in, because I, I, it's impossible to not, for me, put him among that list of guys who are the all-time legends and greats. Yeah, I mean, he's up there. You know, you, you, a lot of times people don't put him, uh, you know, in the Tom Brady category uh, or in the top five category. I'm not sure where he is, but uh, if you want to talk about having every aspect of the quarterback position uh, you know, completely covered and covered at a really, really high level, except for height and arm strength. Those two things are the two things that Drew Brees does not have. The rest of what he has is everything you'd ever want in a franchise quarterback. And so he has had, he and I came on the same year, 2001. He's had just a fantastic career. Uh, he just oozes what I call the it uh, of what you're looking for. And it's sort of the competitive spirit, the grit. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, just the mentality of, you know, next play, next play. How do I get an edge? How do I get, how do I get an advantage this offseason? How do I get better at something that maybe I wasn't as good at before? Uh, you know, his arm never got stronger. Uh, you know, he never got taller. Uh, but his decision making, his accuracy and his competitive drive and spirit to win each and every week, uh, has, you know, really carried that organization for the last dozen years. Yeah, I asked him last year before the uh, Minneapolis Miracle game on a conference call just about how his height had impacted him in a positive way throughout his career. And he said that it had been a driving factor, that it put a chip on his shoulder, and he knew that he had to work harder. And from even the very beginning of not being a first-round pick and dropping to the second round despite his ridiculous college career, that he has carried that with him even through today. And, and that's what amazes me, Sage, about some of the great quarterbacks is 
that he is 39 years old. The guy has accomplished so much in the NFL, and yet he seems like he never stops being driven to improve and succeed. It's it's incredible. Yeah, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. I was in that locker room after the Minneapolis Miracle last year. I said, I've known Drew now for, what, 19 years or something like that. We were 22, 23-year-olds when we first met, uh, I, I believe, at the Combine. Um, and you know, just the way he still is, he still has that wanting to accomplish more, uh, to win another Super Bowl. Uh, he, he's ripped to shreds. I mean, the workouts that he does in the offseason that he has always truly done in the offseason. He's out in San Diego. Uh, he has this guy named Todd Durkin that he has been always worked out with. And Drew is just ripped to shreds as basically a four-year-old man. It's really incredible. Uh, the work he has put into his body, uh, the work he has put into to, to, to his career, uh, to that organization, um, it's incredible. And I, and I do think Heights, sometimes there is a law of diminishing returns. And I'm a 6'4", six, 6'4 four, six, four guy. I do think there's this aspect of you know the, the really tall quarterbacks it can be actually harder, I think, in today's game. You need more space in the pocket where you're just not going to have it. I mean, how many throws do we see Kirk Cousins throwing with a guy right in his face? Mm-hmm. You know, imagine being six six and needing even more space for your for your wingspan uh, and for your frame. You know, as a smaller guy, Breeze can fit into smaller holes. He can maneuver around the pocket. He's got a lower center of gravity. His, his athleticism is something that's not talked about. He is a phenomenal athlete. Uh, just the way he moves around and scrambles and buys time. Uh, he's always been good at sort of, he's one of those guys who was always good at whatever he tried. Baseball, he was a great player. Uh, he's a good basketball player. Uh, and he's a, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback. So I'm looking at his numbers for his career and they're exactly what you want to see when you call up like the greatest ever. Uh, in pro football reference and baseball reference, they use bold for when a guy led the league. And if you look at Barry Bonds' baseball reference, it's just all bold. And the same thing is for Drew Brees. I mean, year after year of 5,000-yard passing seasons, even when his teams weren't playing from behind, (coughs) MVP caliber seasons. I don't think he's ever won an MVP, which is super weird, considering how many times he's led the league in different categories. And then even his playoff numbers. I mean, he's got a 7-6 and record in the playoffs. So maybe he doesn't get the same sort of cachet as Tom Brady for winning all the time. And of course, he didn't have a Belichick defense, but a hundred quarterback rating, 29 touchdowns, nine picks for his playoff career. He's done everything that you think of when you think greatest quarterbacks of all time. And if he isn't put in that same category by some people, then I, I think that they're, they're just ignoring a lot of facts here because he's way up there. And maybe it is, I saw it brought up that maybe it is because he's, a smaller guy or something, or he isn't, I don't know. He doesn't have the the look of some of the other all-time great quarterbacks like an Elway or, you know, I, I don't know why anyone wouldn't put him in that category, but I think he's there. So yeah, there's something about, you know, physical stature and, and sort of the imposing quarterback look that people seem to, you know, give extra, you know, credit to. And like Troy Aikman, it was a great, great quarterback. But, you know, your numbers-wise, Ryan Fitzpatrick has a lot more touchdown passes than <laughs> Troy Aikman in their careers. That's, But, you know, when Troy was on the one and two-yard line, they weren't throwing the ball. They were handing right. it off to Emmett three times. I yep. mean, that was, it was a different game back then completely, and in particular on that football team. So, uh, but, you know, some people might have Troy Aikman as one of the greatest of all time. But, you know, s- stats-wise, He's not. And, um, you know, Breeze and, and Sean Payton, 
uh, you know, when, when he went there to, to New Orleans instead of going to Miami and that relationship started, uh, you know, that has really been another sort of key aspect of this whole thing that, uh, you know, deserves a lot of credit. And you know, to have a, a quarterback and an offensive coordinator, a quarterback and a head coach who's really the offensive coordinator, working together for a decade is a huge advantage for an offensive football team. It's a huge advantage for that quarterback. You know, these two guys are constantly on the same page. They think about the game the same. They, it's like, it's like they only probably know like the same language. Mm-hmm. They've, you know, they, I'm sure Breeze knows what's the next call or two on Sean Payton's sheet just because they probably think alike at this point. You know, they've had the same Pete Carmichael, who's their, I would assume, offensive coordinator. He's been there the entire time as well. They've had, you know, three minds in that room. They're constantly on the same page when, when the Saints aren't good, it's when their defense just happens to be really crappy that year and ranked 28th in the league, and they end up going eight and eight, and Brees throws for five thousand yards. When the defense is just average, you know they end up being a 11 uh, or, or 12 win you know team, and and generally in the playoffs. And so they're they're just level of consistency, in particular offense uh, on offense has been you know phenomenal for the last decade. And and there's been some years where. You know, the Saints had a couple bad years and, you know, maybe this is the year Sean Payton gets fired. But at the end of the day, Sean Payton was a good, he's a great offensive mind. And so they always kept Sean Payton on because, you know, their, their biggest two weapons were, you know, basically Sean Payton's offensive mind and, and Drew Brees' arm. And so that, that, you know, made a lot of hay, uh, over there and, or down, I should say down there in New Orleans. And, and I said, it'll be a first ballot Hall of Fame career for Drew Brees and it's well earned. You gotta wonder if they had had any defense from 2014 to 2016, if he would have won another Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, that it's something I think about with the win-loss records of quarterbacks, because in a lot of ways, the quarterback can't control the win-loss record. I mean, when Drew Brees throws for 5,200 yards, and he's got great stats situationally and, and everything, he's got good QBR, which takes into account, you know, how you get your team ahead and all that, but he comes away with seven wins you're like man that that's really tough but at the same time the guy is 146 and 107 and all the great quarterbacks just win so i i, I tend to still look at a, a quarterback's win-loss record when you get to the end of the day the end of their career and trying to figure out how good they were breeze has you know been one of those guys uh where he truly has sort of carried that football team and that franchise and he really does set the bar you know, for that organization, I, I believe Kirk Cousins is trying to do that, trying to sort of, you know, this is my team. This is my squad. Let's go. Let's go do this thing. He wants to win Super Bowl as well. Uh, and, and everyone's sort of match that intensity and Mac, uh, 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 try to match that professionalism, uh, that consistency, that competitive drive every day. I think Cousins is trying to do that. And I'm sure Breeze is one of the guys he's sort of emulating. Uh, his career after and a guy that he wants to be, you know, very similar to hopefully what a Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, unbelievable for guys, you know, six foot tall, barely six foot tall. Here's my Drew Brees story at the combine. Um, we come out there and, and you know, they do, they do your heights in one of these mornings and I walk up there and they say, you know, six, zero, four, zero, three or something like that. I think, you know, six, four and, th- and three eights was my, was my height. Breeze gets up there. They go five, one, one, zero zero or something he's five eleven and like nine tenths or something and, and he goes no, no no measure it again and the guy goes six zero 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 <laughs> <laughs> he got a second measurement to get to six foot he went, and he went uh, to yeah the fell, tape. yep fell to the second round and and uh had norv turner as, as rookie offensive coordinator 
Ladanian Tomlinson. How about that draft by the San Diego Chargers? Ladanian Tomlinson uh, with the, I believe, the fifth pick in that draft, and Drew Brees with the first pick of the second round. Not a bad draft for the uh, the San Diego Chargers in 2001. So I pulled up your uh, NFL Combine results. You ran a pretty good 40, 474. That was in not the, bad. Uh, yeah, that I you you know what you can do with uh, technology is you can look at the percentile in which you rank. Uh, among your peers so you were a 70th percentile runner 89th percentile height very good height by you and uh <laughs> yeah thank you uh, it's just hard work yeah great, great work job. yeah 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 you, if you want to <laughs> thank everyone for that uh i guess your parents uh vertical jump 34 inches are you good at basketball <laughs> i was in the day I, I actually tried to I was at my daughter's basketball practice the other day, and uh, they were down the other court. I tried to go up and dunk, and I about uh, blew out my left knee when I went <laughs> off the ground. So I think those dunking days are done. Maybe not so much uh, 34-inch uh, vertical anymore, huh? Not anymore. It's it's pretty interesting. You know, as soon as my college season was was over, you got about two months to the combine, and you, I was literally um, like training for a track meet. I was not trained to be a football player at right. all. So I just trained to increase, you know, and maximize these numbers. And you did certain lifts and certain exercises and everything just so we spent a lot of time trying to get that vertical leap up. Do you know what Randy Moss's vertical was? Oh, 42. 47 at his pro day. <laughs> 47. And he's pro- so long. Incredible. <laughs> That's right. So he's the same height as you and has a 47. That's why all of his quarterbacks could just launch the ball up and, uh, so even when give Randy give Randy a chance. I mean, that's the thing is that even when guys moss cornerbacks now, that's I've never heard of a guy jumping forty seven inches. So anyway, uh, you bring up Kirk Cousins and his uh, the or at least Drew Brees' relationship with Sean Payton. Now Kirk Cousins, it seems, is getting on the same page with John D. Filippo because Sage, I, I was really impressed by what I saw from D. Filippo in Philadelphia. They knew that they weren't going to be able to run the ball. They knew they were going to be under pressure right away. And Kirk Cousins certainly was in that game, but found a way to establish a short passing game that moved them up and down the field. And I, I thought Dee Filippo had a great day in Philly. Yeah, I thought that was his best job of the year. And Cousins played fantastic in this game, and he got hit uh, a lot in this game as well. You can tell the Vikings are trying to run the ball. They would like to run the ball. Uh, but what I thought was a nice uh, comment in the telecast, I believe Aikman said it, you know, I'm not going to sit here and hit my head against the wall going against one of the best rush defenses in the league mm-hmm. with with an offense right now that's not a great rush offense. And so they were going to throw the ball that game. Uh, I loved how they mixed up the short passing game. They run a lot of naked bootlegs uh, in this offense mm-hmm. with guys slide underneath, whether it's Stephon Diggs or, or running back or another tight end. Uh, they, they do a, that's sort of their way of trying to throw the ball down the field. It's, it's, you know, they don't drop back a ton and just launch it down the field. Uh, it's usually a lot of the bootleg stuff, you know, try to get, uh, you know, Kirk out of the pocket, move the pocket, uh, you know, see if he can set his feet and, and double move or, or throw the ball a little bit deeper down the field. So they, they do a nice job with the, with the zone, with the play action. And then Kirk, you could just tell he's got a really strong arm. I mean, you could, and I said, I loved everything Case did last year. It's very apparent the difference in that arm strength between Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins. I ran across a funny stat about Case Keenum, by the way, because he isn't uh, performing at the same level, which we all kind of predicted that he would drop back. But they are not using anywhere near the level of play action in Denver 
that Pat Shermer dialed up last year for Case Keenum. And that was what really helped his success was executing on a lot of those play action plays. And I mean, that to me is just incredible that Denver would see everything he did, give him $20 million a year to go play there and then not use him the same way he was used in Minnesota. Yeah, and that's just, you know, it's up to the offensive coordinator to design his offense around his players and how much, you know, what, what, are the, what is, how does the coordinator think and what's important to him uh, versus what his quarterback is best at. And yeah, I remember, oh, it was probably the third or fourth game uh, when, when Keenan was starting last year and he was sort of seemed like he was going to be the guy the rest of the year. He was playing so well. And I was interviewing him in a press conference. And I brought up, you know, and they ran so many naked, naked bootleg mm-hmm. type plays. In Shermer's offense, it was zone and then zone play action naked off of it. And I said, you know, how much did it help early in his career? He was a, you know, a, a Texan, uh, Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, zone play action quarterback. And so that was that's, that's sort of the basis of who he is and the basis of how he was taught, you know, his first three or four years in the league. And, and I thought that was, I paid great dividends for him last year in the Vikings. And yeah, it is surprising. Uh, that uh, that they're not doing that same stuff with him because that really was his strength. He's, he like sort of like Breeze is a much better athlete than people realize. I've I've got the the numbers. Kirk Cousins has the seventh most attempts from play action, and Case Keenum twenty first. He's only run play action thirty times. Uh, that is a to me, to me that's a complete failure of uh, offensive play design and, and play calling to only have Case Keenum do that. Uh, that few times, but Kirk Cousins has incredible numbers of play action, a 124 quarterback rating. So no surprise that Cousins was great at this at Washington and executes it really well. And here he is doing it again. So tell me, Sage, why he is so good in play action, because a lot of other guys are sort of inconsistent with their numbers year to year, but he's always among the best. Well, again, you know, sort of like case with, with Kubiak in Houston, you know, that's the basic, uh, sort of the basis, uh, of the Kirk Cousins' career in Washington. You know, Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Sean McVay was quality control. Uh, you know, Matt LaFleur, who's the Titans, uh, offensive coordinator. He was on that staff, I believe, as the quarterback's coach. Uh, so that's, that's how Kirk Cousins started his career. Uh, zone, play action, bootleg game. And you, you just do a ton of it and practice and you get so comfortable with it. Uh, it's a huge stretch in the defense. They have to, uh, make a decision whether they're going to step up and fill the holes for the running game or they're going to drop back uh, and try to get underneath some of that, these play action and, and bootleg concepts. And if you can create everything to look the same amongst the backs, the offensive line, uh, and, and, and have those things look just like the run stuff, it's really, really hard for defensive players. And you know, a guy like Cousins, who's done it so long and so many times, uh, it just ends up being something that's you know really, really easy. It's very, it's very comfortable for when a quarterback hears a play action play usually you get better protection sometimes you get out of the pocket which is nice you can sort of see everything uh it's it's much much better than hearing a you know a play call in your head of a seven-step drop and you know your left tackle is going to have a big challenge and you're sitting there in that pocket holding on to the football that's much more challenging what does the quality control coach do so the quality control, there's usually one or two on each side of the ball. They're, they're basically the lowest level coach on, on the staff. There's, so there's between two and probably four of them. Um, they're almost the assistants assistants and they do, you know, they put the playbooks together. They break down a lot of film. Uh, they do really all the sort of the dirty work. They do a lot of printouts. Uh, you know, whether there's, you know, new plays put in or, or whatever. So they, 
they're doing a lot of that grunt work that you know the, the main coaches just aren't doing. Uh, sometimes they're probably putting together some of the scout team, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, defensive looks, offensive looks, uh, and designing those things, you know, for the walkthroughs. They're just they're sort of the coaches behind the coaches, and they do a lot of that grunt work. And in college, they would call it a basic graduate assistant, mm-hmm. very similar job. They're probably working uh, the longest hours and getting paid almost nothing. So. Uh, that's that's sort of the way to to earn your way up in the league. You usually start a quality control coach, and hopefully at some point you end up actually with your own position. You earn it for so many years with a with an organization, or or maybe the maybe the you know the quarterbacks coach who you got along with really well as a quality control moves on to another team to be the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Maybe he hires you up to be the you know the running backs coach or tight ends coach. That's usually sort of how the process works. But you you almost always start with quality control. I just, you know, you hear it all the time that a guy started as quality control, and I've never actually heard anyone define what they do. And also, I'm curious, who the hell came up with quality control? Like, that's the most <laughs> football thing ever, to be like, what are we going to call this guy? Like, call him the, the gopher? The grunt guy? Now, let's see. Uh, he let's pretty much football. is. Well, he's he's the assistant's assistant, and I think that's, you know, they it's almost like you don't even want to uh, give them the title of coach because they haven't earned it yet. So I think they go with quality control as sort of a rite of passage uh, before you could actually be called a, an assistant coach. But really, they are just assistant coaches. They just do have they, they they do have to do a lot of that grunt work. All right, let's uh, go back to relevant football things. Um, the Vikings defense finally looked like the Vikings defense, but I would also say, Sage, in that game, that the Eagles moved the ball pretty consistently. And then just fumbled it into Linval Joseph's hands and then fumbled it into Eric Hendricks hands. And I, I wondered how much different we would look at that game if those two drives didn't end up with fumbles. Even if the Vikings had come out with wins, we looked at the defense as, oh, yes, this looks more like the 2017 defense. But when I've been going back through the game, there were actually a lot of plays that the Eagles were having success with, except for just those two turnovers got in their way. What was your takeaway? Well, yeah, I, as I went back through that game as well, I was like, you know, the Eagles in some ways outplayed the Vikings in mm-hmm. that game. They seemed like they moved the ball consistently. They might have made a lot of plays and then they would just sort of like make key mistakes. I remember there was a couple of times that they had like second short and they'd have like an illegal formation with a receiver covering up the tight end. That's right. just sort of a dumb mistake. I, I believe that happened twice. So you go from second to to, to second seven now you, you know that that play call is very different second two you can be aggressive second seven you're just trying to sort of stay on course and so uh they, they made a lot of mistakes in that game they really shot themselves in the foot the vikings you could say definitely won the game but in some ways the eagles went out and they sort of lost it you know it was one of those deals where uh they did not play their best football the vikings did play really good football and they you know sort of handed handed the vikings a win in that game which is a little concerning because as i said i thought the vikings played pretty dang well the Eagles did not, and yet it was still a very close ball game. Yeah, and, and that's one thing that I wrote about with uh, the running game with the Vikings and how they don't have one. And where it really hurts them is not being able to just kill the game when they're up. Like if you have a running game that averages five yards a carry and you're up by 14 points at some point in the game, you could just pound their faces in and run the clock out, and the Vikings can't really do that. So it, it feels like even if you go through game to game, that even when they've had leads, they don't feel really safe. Like, I mean, you go back to San Francisco and they get a lead, but they uh, couldn't really just step on San Francisco's throat. And Jimmy Garoppolo has the ball with a chance to go down and win the game. He didn't or tie the game and he didn't. But 
Uh, the same thing goes here, where they just kept leaving the door open for Philadelphia, and the Eagles almost took advantage of that. So when you look forward here, okay, it's Arizona next. You should beat Arizona. But coming up on the schedule, you're going to have some really good quarterbacks who you cannot leave the door open to to win games because they will. Yeah, that is one issue they have. That's why every offensive coach, every head coach, you know, the, the first press conference they ever have, every one of them says, we want to run the football. That's important to us because they know when it becomes the end of the game, the last five minutes, the last seven minutes, uh, you know, if you're up by a touchdown, you, you, to, to be able to run out the clock, to be able to, you know, get a three or four first downs by sort of running the ball. Uh, and, you know, keeping it out of the air and, and keep, you know, keeping out of that risk uh, of uh, an interception and incompletion, stopping the clock. If you can run the football, it's a huge advantage. And, and the Vikings don't have that right now. So, uh, the, you know, they have to sort of take some risks and, and, uh, you know, it's dangerous throwing the football at the end of the game. The defenses are just looking, uh, to, to, to jump on something. And, and if, if you could run the football, that would be, you know, that would be the, you know, an advantageous thing to do. So that would be, Probably of, of all the things that's happened this year so far, the defense hasn't played great. Uh, the passing game has been phenomenal. Uh, the running game is probably the thing that needs the most improvement. Yeah, there's no question about that. And they should do better when they're not facing the Rams and Eagles. I mean, those are the elite defensive lines of the league, probably the two best that you have to face in back-to-back games. And now you play teams like Arizona. You've got Detroit coming up. Uh, Chicago will certainly be a challenge, but not everyone is those teams. I had another uh, question for you based on a stat. With uh, Kirk Cousins, he has been incredible over the last three years against the Blitz. Tell me about being good against the Blitz. Where does that start? I think it starts with preparation. It starts with understanding all the Blitzes and seeing them all and, and understanding you know where to go with the football when teams do pressure. You know, Even if you're picked up, Protection-wise, you know that they blitz the same linebacker. Your running back, you know, has the same. Uh, if you're smart and you can anticipate and you understand how defenses and offenses work, uh, you can get through your progressions faster and get to the guy who you know does have that one-on-one matchup and, and you know sort of the best guy to get the ball to as quickly as possible. So that that all you know beating the blitz to me is all about preparation, all about understanding what your quickest throws are uh, and trying to find that one-on-one matchup uh, as soon as possible. What's the hardest blitz? to pick up or to read at the line of scrimmage? You know, I've always felt that for me when teams are in three down looks because mentally a lot of times teams play four down defenses. So, you know, the line four down and, and one of the linebackers, some designated linebacker based off of the, the type of protection that you've asked. And uh, um, the, the hard parts are when they go three down, uh, the line has two different linebackers. Well, you know, which linebackers are they? So, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's where it gets confusing when teams overload you uh, with the three down looks. Well, I guess that would make sense for why Wade Phillips and uh, Rex Ryan both use three four. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, it gives you advantage. Do you slide the line, uh, or do you have the line a lot of times sort of dual fan on both sides and leave the center by himself when I want the nose tackle? So it's sort of a little bit game within the game. But as a quarterback. Uh, just numbers wise, it always was a little bit easier for me in the four down looks. I got blocked by Wade Phillips on Twitter. <laughs> well, what'd you do? Nothing. I mean, I, so I was watching the Broncos 1991 NFL films yearbook on YouTube because why wouldn't I be? And I noticed there are a couple of Wade Phillips clips that are amazing. There's one of him jogging in slow motion. 
<laughs> I mean, young Wade Phillips, but he's still Wade Phillips, and he's jogging in slow motion. So I screen grabbed it. And then there's another one where he's wearing an amazing Christmas sweater and he's going through a drill with his players and he does a little like shoulder juke move. And so I thought like, oh, Wade Phillips, he's got a really good sense of humor and stuff. So I'll just tweet these and tag that tag him and be like, hey, Wade Phillips had juke moves back in the day and he blocked me. I thought he would find it funny. I think he just didn't want anyone to see those pictures is all that was. So he is, by the way, one of the one of the few coaches. And pro football, you see on Twitter who makes occasional comments, which I really appreciate. I know. That's the thing is he's hilarious. I, he was talking about, like, Aqib Tlaib arguing with Marcus Peters over something, and he will make fun of himself. So I thought, oh, this is right up Wade's alley. But him blocking me doesn't mean that everyone else can't still enjoy those gifs. And they are hilarious. So you can check them out. But I, I'm like, Wade, I... I liked you, man. Come on. What did you do? What did you do? Well, you know, you got you to gotta try to figure out a way to get unblocked. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. No. Do you, are you blocked by anyone famous on Twitter? Not that I know of. I hope so. All right. Well, let's uh, talk again then uh, soon. Very soon, actually. And we will brainstorm on a great journeyman quarterback of the week. We got a great response to Coy Detmer. I got to say, Coy Detmer set the bar pretty darn high for journeyman quarterbacks. So, and then and the Vikings have the Cardinals this yeah, week. I is mean, that correct? That is just like, how do we choose? <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot. Well, the, all the teams have a lot to choose from. That's sort of the thing. So we'll, we'll have to come up with a good, a good, a great Cardinals journeyman quarterback all right sounds good well i'll talk to you again soon sage and talk to all you folks again uh on purple live if you didn't know that we are doing an over-the-air version of the purple podcast every tuesday night on 1500 espn from five to seven so make sure you are tuning into that and we will talk to you again soon here on the purple podcast whether it's baker's simple truth turkey or mac and cheese with murray's english cheddar or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.